Folks, bread is in trouble in our world. Um, Low-carb, paleo, keto, whole 30. Somehow bread is bad. Then, of course, there's gluten intolerance and the dreaded celiac disease, which has infected my house and people I love. A true disease. So sad. Um, but because we all know that bread is good. Bread is so good. It is ancient food. For 10,000 years, humans have been baking and eating delicious bread. And fresh baked bread is one of the most pleasing aromas that exists in all of our created world. So good. <laughs> Americans get it wrong. Our bread is terrible. Uh, our flour is overprocessed. Our bread recipes have too many preservatives, added sugars. Disgusting. Other places in the world, I've been traveling around Europe this summer. Oh my, their bread is fantastic and fresh. And uh, so I have a friend who was traveling with me on my trip named Tim, a pastor. He's a pastor in Revere. And uh, Tim has uh, gluten intolerance. And when we were in Europe, he's eating the bread. He's eating the pizza. He said, it doesn't make me sick here. And he's the happiest guy because he was eating bread. And then he came back and he got sick from eating bread. Because <laughs> um, bread should be kept simple and pure. And so bread, so simple, so satisfying, so good, it's the best. And, of course, we see bread all over Scripture. Uh, God providing bread for his people when they were wandering in the wilderness. God provides. God's uh, tabernacle and his temple where God's people worshipped him always had fresh bread out on the table. That was part of how he uh, wanted people to know that he was present with them. And, of course, in the New Testament, we have Jesus breaking the bread and saying, this is my body for you. We see God's passion for his people and his saving work. And then here Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So simple, so satisfying, so good, the best. This morning I want to consider how is Jesus the bread of life for his people, for these people he's talking to and for us today. And then so in what way is Jesus the bread of life? Let us pray. So Father, we thank you that you are indeed present with your people just as you were uh, as our Lord Jesus walked this earth. So, Father God, we thank you that you are present to teach us and to guide us and to show us your way. And so, Lord, um, help us to understand what this means today. Help us to leave here um, changed because you've, you're working on our heart and you're, you're guiding us in your way, Lord. Help us to see it, hear it, and respond in faith. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how is Jesus the bread of life for people? Well, first of all, uh, Jesus provides bread for the body. So the context of this teaching, of course, the day before, Jesus uh, had been teaching. There was large crowds following Jesus. They had seen the miracles. They had seen the healings that Jesus had done. And there's this large crowd, and they were in a remote place, and the people became hungry. And in that instance, Jesus miraculously fed them. This is a famous miracle where Jesus fed a crowd of 5,000, really a crowd of 
counting all the women and children, probably a crowd of 10 or 12,000 people or more, and with just five loaves of bread and two small fish that was the lunch of a little boy, he, he, he miraculously fed this whole crowd. In that moment, whatever he was teaching about God's kingdom, whatever other miracles and healing that he was doing, the people just had a very basic need. They were hungry, and Jesus decided to feed them and meet their physical need. And so this, uh, this small gift gets multiplied to provide. And this feeding people becomes an open door for this conversation in the text that was just read for us to open a door to talk about who Jesus really was and what he has done and what he is doing for the world. In the same way, we have opportunities to meet people's basic physical needs. And in doing so, it opens up a door for us to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to people as we serve their basic needs. So we feed people. We have a lot of feeding ministries that we're connected to through the life of the church. I mean, when we gather, we, we've been joking about how much we eat together and how many meals we have. But we also uh, feed other people. I think about uh, many meals that have been served over the years through volunteers from our church at the Lazarus House and the Daybreak Shelter. Uh, we think about the Corunna Meal Center, where where we, once a month a team from the church goes and gives the regular staff there a meal off. They serve 365 days a year. And we go in and we, we, uh, we work together, Free Christian Church team, to uh, provide a meal. If you've, never, if, you've never been, if you've never served in a way where you prepare a meal and give it to somebody who does not otherwise have food and clean that meal up and serve someone in that way, you really should. It's a profoundly simple yet beautiful way to love somebody in the name of Jesus. And we also have a meals ministry um, where people in our church have, if there's a new baby or somebody's had a, recovering from a surgery or some other need, that we cook meals for each other. And you can sign up. There's a, you can just go on the website and uh, get connected to that ministry. Just one meal. Just drive it to someone's house, to someone's house and, uh, and provide for them. In just a beautiful way to serve. Uh, people need... Uh, people also need water. Last week, for those who were here, Bruce and Cherith Ridbeck from Life Giving Water uh, in Ecuador, they were here talking about how they, you know, people need the living water of Jesus, but they actually just need clean water to have health and to, and to sustain life. And so they provide the water and it opens the door for those other things. You know, people need, uh, people who have spiritual poverty need Jesus and, and the wealth of what he brings, but they also need money. They need support, and we support the poor through these ministries and through our communion fund and helping people who, uh, who need money, in, usually in a short-term way. But it opens the door for these other things. And you know, people need an eternal home in heaven with God, but people also just need housing. And we think of our ministry partners that we support, Lazarus House um, and Daybreak Shelter, who provide uh, um, housing, Dream Center, who ministers to those who don't have housing. Um, you know, people need healing in their life, but uh, spiritual healing, but they also, people are sick and they need uh, medical care. So we support ministries like the Tenwick Hospital uh, through the Krognalis in Kenya and other places that provide um, medical care. You know, people, there's, there's all these sort of uh, needs, the just basic physical needs that people have. And this type of ministry is important to Jesus. Jesus feeds hungry people. He heals sick people. This is close to the heart of Jesus. And at the end of time, in Matthew 25, when, when Jesus comes back and, 
and he's judging the world and separating the righteous from the unrighteous. What is Jesus? How does Jesus describe this in Matthew 25? He describes it like this. He says, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance for the kingdom prepared for you, uh, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Verse 35, hear these words. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The simple act of giving food to those who are hungry, the simple act of providing a drink to somebody who's thirsty is, is equivalent to serving the Lord, to serving our Lord Jesus. So when we see people in need, we, we need to serve them. And in doing so, we serve Christ. So this is why we serve in this way. But this does require us to be generous. It requires us to be generous with our time, to join and partner in these opportunities to serve and to feed. And it requires us to be generous with our, with our wealth, to support these ministries around the globe who are doing this type of good work. So, um, yeah, so we serve locally. Actually, opportunity next month, there were, there's a food drive for Lazarus House. We, we gather a lot of food at this one food drive, and we can describe that. There's actually information in the rotunda on the welcome desk about this. So it just all ages, families can serve together. We just go and give people shopping lists, and they buy the food, and we take it over to Lazarus House, and it really does help them. It does take time, and it, takes, it does take money, too. And you don't need to have a lot of time or a lot of money to be generous with what you have. Here, this little boy... Clearly not a rich, wealthy person. This is just a little boy with his lunch. And Jesus multiplies this small gift to feed the crowd. And whatever we have, we don't need to wait till we become very wealthy to be generous. The world, the world thinks that's the way it works. The way that our world handles money and wealth is like this. You have, you know, you have your income, you have your wealth, and you, you pay your taxes. That's inevitable. And then you have all your living expenses, the way that you live your life, and you got to pay for all those things. And as you do that, you either incur debt, which many people live, you know, beyond what their income and they have debt, or they service their debt, maybe they save some money. But then whatever's left over, you can be generous with. That's, what, that's how the world works. But in God's kingdom, generosity is different. You have your wealth and your income, and you, you still have to pay your taxes. Jesus said that. Um, but then you're generous with it. And yes, we have to service our, our debts. And um, then what's left over, that's what we live off of. That defines our lifestyle. Not the other way around. It's not, I live my life first and then I'm generous with what's left. It, God's people are generous first and then live off of what's remaining. That's why many people in our church and many people of faith practice tithing. It's kind of a churchy word. We would say, oh, if you want to give a tither offering. When I was a kid, I thought they'd say tithes and offerings. Like, why are people giving their tithes? And so I just never understood that. But it, tithing is just giving a tenth, that people say, I'm going to take a tenth of what God has blessed me with, and I'm going to live, I'm going to 
live my life and pay my bills with 90% of my income. I'm, that's how I'm going to live. Uh, but, they, but the first step is the generosity. That's why people practice that. We're not bound by God's law in that way, in a legalistic way. But we are bound by the law of love, and that includes generosity, and it's, it's a good spiritual practice. Um, but we need to be generous so that we can help people who have very basic needs. Food was, it was this kind of feeding people was important to Jesus. It's important to us. So we're going we're to share these basic needs. But we can't stop there. Jesus didn't stop at feeding. That wasn't enough. And we shouldn't stop there either. There was so much more that Jesus wanted to give these people than just a, a, a miraculous meal when they were hungry. There was so much more. Uh, so more than just bread for the body, that Jesus is also bread for the mind. So look at verse 26. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So he said, look, you're coming to me because you, you were fed. I fed you. I met your practical need. Now you're following me. And Jesus warns them this, 20, verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. There's a food that's greater than what I've already given you, and it will never spoil. That's what you need to work for. Uh, you need to, to do what to get it. They, they, well, that's what they asked in verse 28. Sorry, verse 28, they say, ask him, what must we do to do the work God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe, it's not what you do to get it, it's what you believe to understand it. And the people said, okay, we'll believe in you, just give us a sign that we can believe in, give us a miracle. Give us a miracle? He had just fed thousands of people with bread. And they're asking for another miracle? How could you totally misunderstand what Jesus was doing in the feeding? Um, I, have a, I have a friend. He's a pastor on the South Shore. And there was this guy in his church who just, every opportunity he has, wants to talk to people about Jesus. So he'll try to insert Jesus into every conversation, in almost in an annoying way. He's a beautiful heart to do that, but in kind of a pushy way sometimes. So he was at Subway, and he was ordering a sandwich. And this kid is making a sandwich, and as he's making the sandwich, this guy said, hey, do you think you could feed 5,000 people with a foot-long sub from Subway? And the kid looks up and he said, sir, you're going to have to call the manager and, pre <laughs> and pre-order that. <laughs> he had no idea what was going on. Um, and it's almost like these... People are clueless. Give us a sign. He said, so Jesus, he's already performed the sign. He's saying, believe in me. You know, the, 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 miracle, the miracle was good. It fed you, but it was supposed to point to something greater. It points to me. That, that I'm the miracle. I'm the bread. Believe in me, Jesus is, is, is just begging of them. Believe that I'm the Messiah, that I am the one sent from God, the anointed one, who is to come and be the Savior of the world. Because at the heart of, of their need was not hunger. Their, need, their greatest need was salvation. And at the root of it all, we live in a world that's broken by sin. And it, it's, the world is sinful, the world is broken and dark. And it's not just the world out there. It's at every human heart is broken by sin. And we are therefore separated from God. We are... are Object, you know, we are condemned before God, um, and we so we need an appropriate 
forgiveness. We need some sort of payment for our sin. We need some sort of healing, and Jesus brings that. He's the perfect sacrifice. He's the perfect payment in our place as our substitute. Jesus said, believe that that's what I, who I am, and that's what I do for you. You need to believe it. And I love how Jesus gets in these conversations, and people are confused. And how much confusion have we seen in the Gospel of John? You have Nicodemus, who's all confused about how to be born twice. You have this woman at the well who doesn't understand this water that Jesus is offering. The, they don't understand why Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. It's just all like, he just gets the mind going, creates a hunger to make you think, who is this man? Who is this Jesus? And I, I just, it just builds that hunger. I live, and I've told you this, but I, where I live on High Street, in my backyard is basically Perfectos on Main Street. And they're just baking all the time. Cinnamon buns, muffins, bagels. Just, and if you've been to my house in the backyard, you can smell all day this fresh baked goodness wafting into my backyard. And it just creates a hunger. And here Jesus, with his words and his teaching and his actions, people confused and think there's just this spiritual hunger that actually is building. And part of discipleship, part of following Jesus, is understanding Jesus with your mind. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in my name and teach them. Teach them to obey the things that I've taught about my kingdom. It, there's, a, there's a teaching and an understanding that it fills the mind with the things of God. But it's more than just learning. It's about, it, it's, it's about um, using your mind to receive this bread, this nourishment. Philippians 4.8 puts it this way. It says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, fill your mind with the things of God and meditate on that. Contemplate those things. I was at the men's breakfast yesterday. We've been working together as, as men on what does it mean to practice, you know, different spiritual disciplines that help nourish our soul. You know, meditation uh, on God's word and studying the scriptures together and, and just a, a life of, of um, taking it in and feeding on the things of God. But we often don't feed ourselves well. Doug Birdsall, when he worked for the American Bible Society, he, he, he described it like this. He said, you know, food, the, all the research shows that Americans are not reading their Bible. They, just, they don't engage with their Bible in a significant way. And the, the, you know, over time, those, it's, it's dropping off a lot. And he said, it's just like, it's like the obesity epidemic in America that people, people actually know how to eat well and they know what kind of food they would need to eat to be healthy, but they don't. And they eat junk instead. And he said that's like people, if you survey Americans, they will say that they like the Bible. Americans love the Bible. Do, do you think the Bible is good for our country? You just survey Americans. Large number of Americans will say, oh yeah, that's a foundational teaching. It's the foundation of our society. The Bible is good. Okay, do you read your Bible? I, you know, I don't know. You, know, you survey people, so they say, yeah, the Bible is great. And they own Bibles. Americans own so many Bibles. But do you read them? I mean, you know, it's like... <laughs> and we have this beautiful food. And it, it feeds, we can meditate on it, and it feeds our mind. And uh, So Jesus is, is he's 
Jesus is bread for the body. He, he feeds people, but he also gives this bread for the mind. But even more than that, it's bread for the soul. Jesus is the answer to every spiritual hunger and longing. Verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There's so many things that we can fill our lives with to try to find ultimate satisfaction. There's really good things. Things like family and love and um, success and health and comfort and acceptance of other people. These are all good things. And we, but when we try to fill ourselves ultimately with those things, none of them will deliver. And those are good things. And then there's all kinds of garbage we can fill our lives with. We, we look at the rates of... of addiction, alcohol and drug addiction, you know, opioid deaths. There was a time a few years ago where it looked like the numbers were going to crest down, but then they shot up again. Uh, addiction to pornography, up on the rise like crazy. Gambling addiction is, is, in the last few years, the amount of ways that we can gamble our money away is just increasing. You, all the um, commercials on TV and on the radio is about how to make wagers and, how to, and all the new casinos and everything that's it's, if you don't believe that's a problem in our world, you know, I point you to Les Burnell has an um, organization called Stop Predatory Gambling. Read some of those testimonies and read some of those, the research articles about how this is just, and, and more and more as a pastor, I hear the stories of how people's lives are being shattered by, um, by gambling. Look, you did not win the $1.7 billion Powerball last week. You didn't. I know you didn't. Because we didn't get a, $170 million, $170 million tithe. <laughs> Which I would accept, by the way. No, no, and some pastors wouldn't. You know, I, I've heard pastors preach, if you win gambling winning, do not bring that money into this church. We do not need that. And as my friend used to say, uh, the devil's had that money long enough. You know, like, let's get that out of the devil's hands. And put it to, to work. But don't do, but I'd prefer us not to even have that conversation. Uh, because wh what did you think it was going to do for you? You know, why did you need that much money? Um, but there's this allure. Like, oh, that's what I need. That's going to change everything. It would never satisfy. Even if you won, it would never ultimately satisfy you. Jesus points to himself. Jesus doesn't say, I have the bread of life to give you. He doesn't say, um, I'm a teacher who can help you discover the bread of life. I can give you the bread of life. Nope. He said, I am the bread of life. It's him. And what God is doing is he's putting a hunger in us to desire the one thing that can truly satisfy Jesus himself. This is all about God's grace. It's all about God's grace. And when I say grace, I mean a free gift. You can't, you can't make yourself a follower of Jesus. You could, you, could make yourself a, you could make yourself a part of other religions. You can make yourself a Buddhist by doing the right practices. You can make yourself a Muslim by following the pillars. You can make yourself a secular humanist by having the ideas. You, can't, you actually can't make yourself a Christian. Jesus said um, it's that the Father draws. All the Father gives me will come to me. He said later, in the same 
conversation. He said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Unless God puts that hunger in you, you will never be drawn. But God is a God who is putting that hunger and and putting that desire for that which will truly satisfy into the hearts of people that they will be drawn to Jesus. And as we are drawn to Jesus, we then are pursuing the food that endures to eternal life, as Jesus said. That's actually a liberating idea because therefore God is drawing me not because I've done the right thing or not because I deserve it, but because he wants you to experience it. He wants you to be made whole. He wants you to be satisfied in him. And of course, this all points us to the cross of Jesus Christ because Jesus at that last supper, he took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body broken. You can't enjoy bread until it breaks. His, his body had to be broken for us. And then when he's broken, we receive life. Because he did that for us, we just accept it. We receive it. The bread of life, food for your soul. The crowd was there seeking Jesus because they had eaten this miraculous meal, and Jesus said, we're not going to leave it there. You need to pursue something greater. I think a lot of times when we approach Jesus, we approach Jesus because we have an immediate need. We have something that we need him to provide for us or to heal or to fix or, uh, or to guide. And, and again, Jesus loves to provide those things for us, but our ultimate need is much greater than that. We must turn from our sin and receive the life that he brings, Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus said, all the Father gives to me will be saved. We say, well, is the Father giving me to Jesus? Well, look to Jesus. Do you look to Jesus and do you believe? Do you see that uh, your Savior there on the cross? If you believe, you will be saved because God has drawn you to the Savior. So receive it. Make Jesus your bread of life. Enjoy it. Devour it. Be satisfied in the bread of life. Realize who Jesus is. Realize what he has done and make him your life. Receive it. Receive his life. Receive his love. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who draws people to yourself, and you draw us through our hunger. And we confess that we've pursued things in our lives that can never truly satisfy. We turn to you in faith. We receive Jesus, the bread of life, to be our Savior, to be our life, to be our satisfaction, Lord. And we pray for those who we know and love, who we see their hunger and we see their desperation and we see the things that they've pursued in their life to to seek some kind of fullness or satisfaction in things that can never satisfy. And Lord, we pray for them. We pray that they would be drawn to you, the one who can truly satisfy. We thank you that you are so good and so gracious and loving to this world that you call people to yourself. We pray that people would turn to you in faith. We thank you for this. We pray in the name of Jesus, the bread of life. Amen.